right, senior servant leader of the greater guests in Monday, Amazon Judge is on with the grip, gaining relevant, innovative perspectives, man. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm honored that you would take a few minutes of your day and time just to hang out with me. Man, so much has been going on this week. I mean, it's just been crazy. Um, a lot of people are getting COVID tests, and I want to give props up to uh, Dr. Michael uh, McLean and uh, the East Stonewall Amy Zion Church for hosting that COVID uh, vaccination um, effort that they did um, on Thursday over at their church. It, it was a meaningful uh, kind of experience, and so we're, we're grateful and thankful. Man, uh, there's so much debate that's going on, so many things uh, that are being said about what's happening in our country right now. Should we have in-person? Should we not have in-person? I mean, I thought I, if I'm clear, I read a story out in California this past week where the teachers union, they're saying, uh-uh, we ain't going back in that classroom until we can sit down and dialogue just a little bit better about what's going on. And then there's some other states that are struggling and battling about whether or not they need to be back in the classroom. And then, of course, we got all these activities that are happening that are suggesting different things. South Carolina is now saying you don't have to wear the mask in government buildings and in restaurants. I mean, uh, there's another state that's pulling back from the mask. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know. Uh, it's just so much that's happening, so much that's going on. And so, man, we're jumping into uh, another month. And, um, you know, we're just so thankful and grateful for everything that's happening uh, in our country and in our world. And uh, but we're we're out here, man, and some things are happening. So we want to go forth. Listen, just want to send this shout out. Uh, on today. So as we are going forth and making things happen in our country and our world, we are celebrating Women's History Month. And so what a what a way to get started than saying congratulations to uh, Maya uh, here, who is now the uh, official first Black female who is getting ready to join the referee uh, squad for uh, the NFL, man. Yeah, yeah, we got to give it up. Give it up to her for making that happen. Um, and so, you know, much props. We'll be talking about more outstanding things about women as we go forth uh, in the show on today. But uh, we're just excited about uh, what's going on. I am so honored uh, today to be able to have um, sharing with me uh, wow, Latasha Carey, uh, who, wow, is just uh, doing some outstanding things uh, in her own profession as being a therapist and a counselor. And uh, I uh, have seen her interacting with our young people at various different events. Latasha, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Well, wonderful, wonderful. I am uh, so delighted to always uh, have the opportunity to talk with persons that are just doing things and making things happen and can enlighten us and, and help us to be able to go one more step in the direction that uh, we need to go. And so um, I'm always glad uh, to, to be able to, to do that on today. So uh, I, I understand that recently you had an opportunity to be uh, a presenter or a speaker at the North Carolina Counseling's 
Association's annual gathering, an annual conference. What was that whole experience like being a counselor from this area and going to that conference and being able to share some insights with that group? Uh, it was actually an honor. It was a truly honor. Um, I spoke on suicide and helping therapists just not be afraid of taking those clients and uh, getting prepared for that which they're going to see a lot after the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And um, it was amazing to see, to be honest, what I noticed was a lot of African-American therapists out there and other persons of color. And that was truly inspirational and encouraging. So. Wow. So now you, you just said two, two mouthfuls of things that we just got to kind of dissect for a minute. Uh, you were speaking on suicide and, and, and um, which is something that we definitely need to keep before us. But you said you are believing that the data is going to go up after the pandemic. Talk a little bit about that uh, to my uh, GRIP family today about why you're, you're thinking and maybe others are thinking that um, suicide is going to go up. Okay. So really we are starting to see a little bit of it now. Okay. Um, teenagers, young people suffering with lots of anxious thoughts, lots of depression that people are not catching on as depression. And, um, it's kind of snowballing. And what this pandemic has done is removed people from all the things that maybe would have helped them cope with those feelings. And now we're kind of, as it drags on and it drags on and it drags on, we're starting to see a lot of hopelessness. And so I truly believe that yes, the numbers will go up. And so um, before the pandemic, you're thinking that individuals had an opportunity to catch those signs of depression, but now you're, you're thinking we're not really catching on to it. What's, what's happening that we're kind of missing what's happening with, um, with kids and others? Well, um, for one, everybody's going through it at the same time, right? Ah, so how yeah. it would be before is someone else who was doing a little bit better, or maybe their life wasn't, you know, um, going as badly at the moment would be able to care for someone who was doing a little worse than them. But now everybody's kind of in the same boat. Everybody's leveled. Everybody has um, financial stuff to deal with, family issues, you know, um, their own feelings of isolation. And so we're not seeing it because one, we're not seeing people, right? So we're not in their face all the time. But then also we're not catching it because we've got our own stuff to kind of deal with. Wow. So um, you just said a mouthful right here at the beginning of the show. <laughs> if you're just joining me, uh, hey, this is uh, David Anthony with The Grip. I've got Latasha Gary on, and we're just talking about what young people are experiencing, what individuals are experiencing, and how we need to just raise our awareness about the potential of suicide um, somewhat now and after this pandemic is over with because people are dealing with a lot of things. So Latasha, again, thank you uh, for joining me today on The Grip. Um, but in, in that, as we begin to unpack that, then um, how do we become on the offense and not on the defense? Mm, that's a good question. That's actually a good question. Um, so for me, I think, 
so you're kind of asking what could protect people from this kind of yeah yeah like you know so if we know it's if we know it might be rising then do we need to start checking up on people more or do we need to because you know we can't be in the face like we used to so exactly you know, what 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 are some things while we're still in this slight isolation kind of thing that we could be doing that that, that would just like maybe like okay um put up um some better understanding about what's taking place. Yeah. Well, I think for one thing, especially in the African American community, we need to we need to allow it and let it be okay. Like that wow. it not be a judgment against you for having these kinds of thoughts and start having some some deeper conversations. Hey, I noticed that you're, you know, you're not calling me as much as you used to. You're not, you know, when I call you, you seem down. Is everything all right? I just want to check on you. Um, but I think opening up the conversation, like even through shows like yours, I'm so appreciative of because, um, we're not talking about this. We, I mean, it's like we sweep it under a rug and families who are dealing with it, deal with it alone. Um, and I'm glad you, you, uh, that you said that because I was, um, essentially, um, looking at a report, um, that a therapist did in New York. And she was talking about how we have this problem as African-Americans dealing with therapists, period, or going to therapy and going to counseling, period. Yeah. So we're talking about opening up the conversation, but then we got a culture that says something must be really, really wrong with you. Exactly, exactly. You, you really got some issues. We need to stay away from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you're in that predicament, so how how then do we, you know, how how do we handle that? Because I was kind of like, wow, um, it, has it been your experience to find that we as African Americans just don't deal uh, with that whole counseling realm like we should? Well, you know, what's really unusual is that this newer generation, they're on it. Like they will go to counseling or they will seek it out and they see value in it. Um, okay. I will say traditionally, so you've got, you know, you the millennials, Gen X, Gen Alpha, Gen Z, they're, they're good. Um, as far as wanting counseling, whether they can afford it yet is one thing, but, okay. or if they have access to it, but it is more our generations, generation X and beyond, um, where we do not trust, um, it's almost as though we are afraid to let people in and be vulnerable and show us whether or not, okay, here's something we could be doing better. Um, right. But I do think that part of it is that we haven't seen ourselves as an option. And now that's wow. starting to change. You're starting to see a lot of African-American counselors. And so I'm hoping that that will open up the conversation and kind of make people more open to it. If they see people who looks like them, then you know, you're more willing because you feel like this person knows your background. You don't have to explain some of the basics. Right. The hesitancy for coming forth, some of the cultural dynamics that already exist. And here you are in a session and you got to explain what this means. Exactly. Someone who is from your, your neighborhood or has have that lived experience, then you don't have to spend your time while the meter's running, trying to get them to understand yeah. what's he's going exactly. on. I, I get it. Yeah. I, I understand that. 
Um, because as I read through, read, you know, just some of that dynamic and I was saying, this is so true because if, if we are perceived to go into therapy, then if folk find out about it, then automatically, you know, it's this whole notion or this whole thought that something is wrong with us. Yeah. And, um, essentially, um, people then just kind of shy away from you and not wanting to be bothered with that. Tell my listening audience, because I definitely want uh, individuals to know um, where you work and what you do and to hear it from you um, as um, um, as a matter of credentials. So they'll know that you're just not just talking, talking, <laughs> but you've been involved yeah. in this for a while. Do that I for me. On so I am a um, licensed counselor. I am working through um, a group practice, um, Pathways to Growth Counseling. And I see children from ages four all the way up to adults and families. My specialization is actually in um, trauma, suicide, and anxiety. And those are the three wow. areas that I focus on. Wow. Wow. So now every time you uh, just get a, get a breath moment, a, a breathing moment, you say something else that just like uh, <laughs> pushes me so if you were to talk about the anxiety that the pandemic brought on, and we're probably so far off script, but I mean, um, did you really, um, or did the company, you know, the organizations you work with, with, with anticipate that the anxiety level would be as high as it has been in the stuff that you all have probably been dealing with? Not by any means. When wow. I tell you everyone's caseload, everyone, is full. We get literally before 9 a.m. 10 phone calls a day asking for services. And the number one complaint is no one is take, no one has any space. And wow. these are people with very serious, I mean, suicide, you want to get right on that. Um, if your child right. is anxious, uh, or if your mom is anxious, you want to get right on that. And there is everyone is booked solid. Wow. Wow. And so um, this is basically a national, uh, it's a national crisis. It's it not is. something that is germane to one particular ethnic group. It's not They're actually calling it the black. second pandemic. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And They're so saying that the mental health stuff is going to actually be a second pandemic that's going to show up a little bit more as we start to open stuff back up. And that's when it's really going to be um, noticed. Wow. And uh, that's an interesting title because then essentially, if we approach the second one as a crisis situation, the way we approach the first one, then we're really going to have some issues. Yeah, we're really going to have some problems. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because individuals are not going to really um, go forth and, and, and be able to make it happen. Um, and you might not be able to answer this in this way, but um, you said earlier, being able to afford the services. Do you think that that's probably a reason why uh, African-Americans don't even consider going because they can't afford the services? Um, or um, what's, the, what's the path for that? How do you suggest individuals to get around that particular hurdle? So there are opportunities. Almost every therapist will offer a sliding scale. Um, it's not always advertised. So 
um, find your therapist that you want and ask them if they would be willing to work with you on the price. There is also um, a neat little service called OpenPath and you can sign up at openpath.com where they ask you how much you can afford to pay for therapy. And they have tons of therapists that are listed. Um, you pay a service, a one-time fee to join the service. I think it's 50 or $60, but then you find the therapist and your sessions could be as low as 20 to 60. They don't go over $60 a session. So that there's many ways that we've opened up access. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining me today on The Grip, I'm sitting here having this wonderful conversation with Natasha Gary. And man, we've been talking about some real stuff that we're facing um, and being able to uh, open up this dialogue. I wanted to open it up here on uh, on my show because I believe that it is real. I don't believe it is something that you just go to bed and then wake up the next morning and it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't. I don't believe that at all. <clears throat> I believe that communication is important and that we need um, to be able to deal with this. Now you know, uh, back in the day, uh, I, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, they would um, send you to the pastor. You know, and you go to the pastor and you talk to the pastor. And when 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 you finish with the conversation with the pastor, all your hopes and dreams were back on track. Mm -hmm. And we've we've learned that that's just not um, <laughs> a, a working uh, that's not a working diagram or working yeah. framework for what's happening in our country now. Um, and so I wanted to open up that conversation because um, I know my colleagues have learned. And those that have studied um, that when we come across this at the church, then we need to be able to refer to individuals who have been licensed and, and know essentially what to do uh, to help individuals to be able um, to survive. Um, and I say that because our kids right now are not really participating in the kind of activities that they would normally do at the church and things. And so you don't get a chance to check up on them. You talked about adults, we've been talking about kids, but let's more specifically, this whole notion of what these kids are going through because they're in person, they're not in person, they're on the computer, they're not on the computer, they're going through all these different kinds of um, um, situations. Um, so how do we help specifically these kids with these, these things that they're going through school-wise? Um, so we should be referring them to the school counselors or... Um, what, what should we be doing? Um, absolutely. Well, for one, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of parents are not taking into consideration how big of a deal this is for this generation. Okay. Um, we have never had a generation that was literally locked up in the house for a year. Um, wow. Children who have not been able to see their friends at a stage when not only are friends more important to them, but developmentally, they're supposed to be with their friends more. They're not supposed right. to be locked up with their mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And so, um, and then the suddenness of it, um, mm. the fact that literally one day you were having a good life and then the next day you're literally locked up at home. And so allowing some grace um, if your child, who's usually an honor student, all of a sudden starts getting B's, maybe some C's, 
Um, I think goes a long way to protecting your relationship with them and also letting them know, listen, I'm, I'm not so intent on your grades and your success that I want it at all costs. And that's something that I think can be communicated between families to let them know, hey, you are not just your success story. I don't view you as someone who should be able to just carry on no matter what. That, listen, you're going through a rough time right now. You might not be able to do everything at a 10 like you were before. Let's just try to keep it at an eight. Let's try to keep it in a seven range, you know, and take care of your health. Wow. And so basically you are um, encouraging parents to be able to help their kids uh, get through this without that pressure of performance um, that may have been in some normal kind of situation. Exactly. I, I should have said normal because we're, yeah. really never, we're not going back to anything uh, that, that's normal right now. Because I do think that the phobia of, can I get it? Am I going to get it? Am I even going to get it after I get a vaccination? What I mean, just that whole thing by itself has thrown school completely off. It's changed everything. It's changed how we look at any kind of social interaction. Yeah. Wow. And so I think that that becomes a troubling piece because now the dynamic is we're coming down to the backslide of a year and last year we didn't have testing. So Mm -hmm. now there's going to be testing that's going to take place. What do you generally see during this time of year when kids start finding themselves knowing that the pressure of passing these tests Uh, are so needed for them to move on? Um, Do you find um, uh, the increase in the anxiety and the stress um, go up um, at that time or? I actually see something a little bit worse. We do see those who are doing just well, they're doing fine. Um, they, They have some social interactions with some people or they have always been able to do their work very easily. And so they have prospered during this time, that's great. But the more worrying thing that I see um, and more common is a literal shutdown. And that's when you're in the danger zone. Um, When your child just literally will not go to class, um, Mm -hmm. when an A student becomes a C student and they're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an indication that things have gotten a little bit more worse because think about it like this. In your kid or teenager's life, you're only seeing about 10%. Even though they're right there in your face, they're only allowing you to know 10% of their thoughts, 10% of their fears, 10% of their appointments. There's a lot more going on. So if the 10% you're seeing does not look good, then yeah, it's, it's looking worse. Wow. And that's one of the reasons why, uh, fam, that we need to be able to open up that dialogue and be able to encourage Um, our young people, if they need to talk, and if we're not the one that they can talk to, that we can try to find somebody for them to be able to talk to um, and going forth. Sometimes you hear individuals say, ain't everything fine with you? Everything was fine with me. I grew up, I was just fine. I have none of these issues. You ain't ain't got no problems. So everything is fine. So what happens when you hear that kind of stuff, when you finally get to unpack it with a kid and And they say, well, I was told I didn't have, I wasn't supposed to have. (laughs) I don't have any problems. I'm fine. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, it is um, a full, uh, a very cruel form of invalidation is what I call Mm. it. 
In other words, your feelings don't matter. What matters is just what I tell you. And so you are a strong black woman, the most damaging thing we could tell ourselves. You are, you know, a strong black man. And we say it to encourage, right? Because that's how we have been encouraged. But for this generation, when they hear that, they feel like they haven't been heard and that you just aren't listening to what they're saying. And they want you to hear, I appreciate you telling me that I'm strong, but today I don't feel strong. Exactly, exactly. And I want to be able to have a conversation about the fact that I don't feel strong and for it to be okay that I don't feel strong. Exactly. And will you be that safe person that I can tell this to and you won't hold it against me and you'll try to lift me up and encourage me? Wow. Wow. Well, we've been talking today with Natasha Gary. She is a licensed uh, therapist counselor. She's been sharing information with us. And again, congrats to you during this Women's History Month for last month being at the North Carolina Counseling's uh, conference and having an opportunity to lift up and talk to people about suicide. Because we started the show with you talking to us about how important um, that is going to become of an issue um, and, and the crisis um, that it may come. And you even saying today that there's this chance that um, uh, anxiety, stress, um, all of that could become the second pandemic. Yes. And, then, and, and we need to be able to, um, to, to look, look through that. Now, I know that you uh, have strong ties to the religious community, um, mm-hmm. whole nine yards and, and going forth. The interaction with faith and the reality of depression, anxiety, and stress, mm. because, you know, sometimes the church has this thing, we're going to pray about this. Yeah, we're yeah. Put this on the altar and everything going to be fine. So um, how, does, how does that statement really play out and how, how, how can we learn to not um, overemphasize that everything is going to be all right part? Right, right. Well, I would say I compare it to uh, if you get a diagnosis of diabetes. One, diabetes does not have to define you, right? Mm -hmm. And so for some reason, we feel like if somebody gives um, us a diagnosis of depression or anxiety, like that is now our personality and like they've labeled us, right? But it's just a set of conditions that you're meeting for for a period of time. And noticing that, hey, if your doctor tells you that you have diabetes, there's going to be certain things you're going to do. You're going to clean up your diet. You're going to start exercising. You're going to visit the doctor more. And it's just a given that while you are leaning on God, that you're also going to be doing these things. And you're going to be praying that God would bless the efforts that you're making. That's how I view counseling. Um, And even psychotropic medications, if you need that. that it does not take away from your God to go to a counselor, to get steps, to be able to learn new habits, new ways of thinking about things, uh, to process old stuff that happened to you that still bothers you. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And I think that the church and uh, people in the church can do better about hearing each other and saying, yes, absolutely, let's pray about this. I believe in the power of prayer. Of course, Mm -hmm. pray. But also, you might need some help, some things in the meantime that you're doing as well. 
And those meantime things help you to walk through it. Um, I guess I guess sometimes um, confronting that there is something mm -hmm. rather than acting like it does not exist, exist. at all. Yes. And so yes. we're going on in our day-to-day -day lives and we know there's something there but yet we don't want to confront what is the unknown. Well, yeah, um, yeah. And I think that that unknown element with the pandemic and the anxiety and the stress has, has added so much to this dimension. And, and hopefully this conversation, uh, the first part of the show today has helped somebody um, to be able to say, you know what? I might need to seek out some help. I might need to call somebody and talk about some real things that are going on with me and, and, and to try to find a, uh, a safe space to be able to unload um, some of these things that are going on with me. Um, because those things also affect all the other health uh, components of you. Is Absolutely, that yeah. If you're um, in a bad headspace, it's very difficult to exercise. It's very difficult to sleep. Um, so you're absolutely right about that. Wonderful. I have appreciated you being on the grip with me today. I and just enjoyed sharing, it. Thank you. Uh, so some much. insights and just dialogue and talking. I'm going to have to keep uh, your name and number um, just handy and, and down a little bit further on, call you back just to be able to talk about uh, some things. You mentioned um, um, a space where people could be able to uh, connect with if they were concerned about um, pricing and things. Could you mention that again? I didn't quite get, uh, I think you said open something, but I wasn't quite sure. Open Pass, P-A-T-H dot com. Okay. And open you sign path. up there mm -hmm. and you pay, like I said, a fee for joining, but it's just a one-time fee. And I think it's like $50 or something like that. And then you tell them how much you can afford, how much you want to pay. And then there's a bunch of therapists that you can choose from that have signed up to kind of donate their time for this. Wow. And this is for adults, children, um, Everybody. anyone? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Wow. And when children who are under the age of 18 are seeking out counseling and things of that nature, do they still have to have parental consent or how does, how does, that, how does that thing work if someone under the age of 18 wants to, to talk to a counselor? They need to have their parent uh, co-sign that particular piece. I just Absolutely. wanted to put that out there as well. They do. They do need to, um, the parent will have to co-sign. Um, I think at 16 in New York, I mean, in uh, North Carolina is the age that they will need to have their parent uh, give consent and uh, usually both parents. So unless there is um, some order by court that one parent has the rights, so. Wow. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for joining me today and being a part of the grip and we'll be in touch. It's been informative and uh, we're excited about everything. So uh, have a good day, have an enjoyable Sunday and uh, we'll continue to be in touch. Thanks again, all right? Thank you, thank you, bye. Bye-bye. All right.